Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to the Sooners Extra Twitter Spaces. I'm your host, Ryan Aver, joined by uh, Justin Martinez and Jenny Carlson. Hopefully, Barry Trammell will be with us here momentarily. Here to talk about OU Texas and uh, what's wrong with the Sooners, what's, uh, what could happen on Saturday. And Justin, have to start off with discussion about the, the quarterback situation. Uh, Brent Venables didn't have much of an update today, but I've got to think it's not going to be Dylan Gabriel uh, on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, it sounds that way. I mean, it, it's no surprise that the Brent isn't revealing his, his hand just yet. You know, it's better to leave it for just more for Texas to, to scout. Um, but you'd have to imagine, I mean, just from him entering concussion protocol that his chances aren't too high. And if, and if that's the case, if he's not able to suit up, then it's still kind of a mystery. I mean, you have to figure that Davis Bevel probably starts as the guy, but I mean, I wouldn't rule it out that we could see a little bit of, of, you know, general booty or Nick Evers. So uh, it's kind of going to be a, We'll see what happens. It's, it's There's a lot of possibilities for how this can play out. Um, but it sounds like just from, you know, the sense we're getting that Dylan Gabriel probably won't be available for this one. What about you, Jenny? What do you, what do you think about that? And for me, it, it's hard to imagine Nick Evers getting thrown into that spot, given the fact that he hasn't played uh, a collegiate snap yet. And uh, this is OU Texas. It'd be really – uh, a tough ask for a freshman to get uh, thrust into that role. But we saw Davis Bevel really struggle uh, on, on Saturday. Uh, do, do you think Bevel's the guy if Gabriel can't go? Or, or do you think it's booty? Or do you think they do something else? Yeah, you know, it would have been interesting if they would have uh, maybe played one of those other uh, quarterbacks besides uh, Davis Bevel on Saturday at TCU. Um, didn't really get much of a look at either of those guys. So it would be a huge lift for either Nick Evers or uh, General Booty to be ready to go. Um, but if what we saw on Saturday out of Davis Bevel is how he is going to play, you know, very um, immobile, uh, standing in the pocket, uh, if he's and if he's going to just – stand there if he's not going to have the uh, willingness, ability, or whatever to get out and run around a little bit. Um, He's got to throw the ball, and he looked um, mortified in a lot of instances to do that. Now, I know he was thrust into that game, uh, you know, on the fly, not many snaps. That's a tough place to be when you're a backup who hasn't really played very much. So maybe a week of practice changes that. But if they need somebody who's a little more mobile – then maybe we do see one of those other guys. It's an interesting question, and you know they could um, they could they could really go any way. But I find it unlikely to think that Dylan Gabriel will be available just because of the severity of that hit. Looked like he was knocked out um, on the hit, 
And not to say that that is a for sure sign that it's going to take more than a week to be ready to go again and play coming out of concussion protocol just makes it a little less likely. So I think it's going to be one of those other guys, but um, you know, I I do think it's interesting. We saw um, on uh, let's see, Monday night, uh, last night, uh, players available after practice saw Nick Evers out there throwing it around a little bit with a couple of receivers, including uh, Gavin Freeman, which likely were scout team guys together. So maybe it doesn't mean anything, but uh, you know, we'll see. I, I have to think they're giving all of them a look considering Davis Bevel didn't exactly leave them with a great sense of confidence after what, what he did at TCU. And uh, Barry Trammell also joins us. Barry, when you look at what Davis Bevel did on Saturday, and we saw the the numbers weren't that great, 7 of 16, just like Dylan Gabriel, but only had uh, 50 yards passing, a lot of uh, really, really short passes, the ones he completed, and uh, took several sacks. How much prospect is there for what the Davis Bevel that we see on Saturday if he's ultimately the guy to be different than the one we saw uh, down in Fort Worth? He's got to be better than the than the bevel we saw. Um, now, because of this, if someone had told me a Pitts third-team quarterback is, is going to be OU's backup quarterback in 2022, I would have been very pessimistic. However, he got to play in that Peach Bowl um, against Michigan State most of the game and did halfway well. He acquitted himself very well. Gave the Panthers a chance to win. And that was a big game for Pitt. First major bowl in a while for them. So that wasn't any kind of just slough off game. So I think he's capable of playing well. But he was put in a bad position. He was putting in a, you know, when he, if, if you remember when he came in, he's about midfield, seemed like maybe 40, 45 of TCU. And they go down and score which was sort of encouraging. Now they didn't do much the rest of the day, but I got to believe he's going to be better. But Jacko was right. He's not, if he's going to play like that, um, you know, I, I don't recommend, I actually don't recommend an immobile quarterback for any team anymore on any level of football. Seems like a good way to get beat, but especially down there in OU Texas where, you know, we've, we've, we've seen the mobile quarterback sort of, uh, sort of own that series in recent years, right? The, the, uh, the Caleb Williams, the, the Baker Mayfield, the Sam Ellinger, the Kyler Murray's, uh, Jalen Hurts, all those guys. Heck, Texas went down there in 2015, one and four and stunk. And they had a, they had Jared Hurd playing quarterback he was a wide receiver ended up playing wide receiver he couldn't throw a lick but he could run around a little bit and they hung in the game and won it so uh i would feel much better about the sooners if they had a a mobile quarterback yeah and you you look at uh, davis bevel stats in that uh, peach bowl that, that barry mentioned 14 of 18 for 149 yards a touchdown one uh interception but the rushing uh, totals minus 30 on seven. Uh, so a, a lot of sacks there again, but you've got to think Davis Bevel will be better. The question is how much better, and you can't change the uh, fundamental uh, nature of who he is as a quarterback. So I think it's going to be 
uh, interesting to see what Brent Venables decides to do, how different this offense looks under Jeff Levy if uh, Dylan Gabriel can't go and they stick with uh, uh, Davis Bevel there. Uh, Justin, going back to you, a lot of injuries in uh, Saturday's game outside of uh, Dylan Gabriel. It looks like Eric Gray is likely to be back on Saturday. We got to talk to him last night. That's generally a good sign that someone's going to be available to play. He said that he was all right. My thought is that he would have been ready to go uh, and and all right to go back in that game had it been closer and not been uh, a TCU blowout at, at that point. But when you look at all the guys that the Sooners are missing or uh, potentially missing – Outside of Dylan Gabriel, who do you is most important uh, for for Saturday to get back? Uh, that that's realistic. Yeah, I think just with the way that the offensive line has been playing better as of late, I think losing Wanye again would be uh, pretty detrimental to. I mean, obviously he's seen as a leader of that group, a senior. So you know, being able to keep that offensive line intact, I think would be will be good because we saw that they played better once he came back after missing the first two games. So I think Wanye would be the big one on offense. You could argue that it's a guy like Billy Bowman as well in the secondary who um, just leads the team and broken up passes with four of them this season. He's another guy who's able to have a big impact. So those are just a few to come to mind, but I probably would lean towards, towards Wanye just because the offensive line looks like it's been having some good outings and you wouldn't want a setback for that group. Yeah, it's hard to, to disagree with that, Jenny. But uh, another position I look at is the, the defensive ends group and a, a, a group that wasn't hit by injuries necessarily on Saturday, but was was hit by them uh, coming in. Um, Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs played a, a big part of the Sooners' defensive success over those first three games. Over the last couple of games, they haven't been as apparent. Now, certainly uh, defenses have uh, focused in on those guys and, and taken them away. But uh, on Saturday, the Sooners didn't have Marcus Stripling. They didn't have R. Mason Thomas, who hasn't played since the second game of the season, although it looked like he was going through some some work yesterday after practice. Maybe he's uh, a whole lot closer to returning. How important is getting those guys back just to 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 give that defense, especially on the edge, uh, a little bit more push. Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, you know, it seems like physicality often comes into play when you, you have these OU Texas games. And, um, you know, for, for sure, I think that uh, the more you can have to, to sub in there, the better. And, you know, saw a lot of snaps by Grimes and Downs and, and the defensive linemen who are available at TCU. So, while it would help in the short term, it's also good for the long term. I mean, you want to give those guys a chance to, you know, not get to the midway point of the year and have essentially played, you know, nearly every snap. And uh, Brent Venables did say today that both Marcuses, who were gone, Stripling and Major, um, gone from TCU, didn't travel, were that those absences were because of injury. He didn't follow up with any sort of update. I think it kind of fell in the, in the same uh, vein of what he said first up. Um, today that it wasn't going to really address any of that who's going to be available but if they can get stripling back I think that would be a huge help Um, that defensive line as far as the defense goes I think is where they could 
give the secondary, give the linebackers a little bit of a hand. It seems like they do have some talent there. And if they can put that to use and give, you know, give the linebackers a better chance to operate, you know, give the defense defensive backs some help, uh, maybe, you know, getting to the quarterback or hurrying him a little bit, at least uh, making, you know, passing game a little more difficult. All that could really help those positions that, you know, maybe don't have quite the depth or quite the, the uh, talent that it looks like the defensive line could could trot out there. So we'll see if if they do get uh, Marcus Stripling back, that could be good. That could be very helpful for that defensive line. And Barry, Justin mentioned it. Jenny touched on it a little bit. The the secondary and the struggles that we've seen there on Saturday uh, late in the game, a couple of uh, freshman DBs, J- Jaden Rowe and Robert Spears Jennings, uh, made their season debuts. And obviously part of that was forced by some of the injuries that we saw. Uh, Billy Bowman, like Justin mentioned, Damon Harmon, uh, another one. But how big a role do you feel like some of these freshmen that haven't played much uh, early in the season could play here uh, starting really on on Saturday's game uh, as the Sooners try to to figure out something different on the defensive side of the ball? Well, you got – you got two things at work here. One is there's no reason to play veterans if they can't make a play or get lined up. On the other hand, do you want to give freshmen or newcomers or whoever uh, their baptism in OU Texas? Because it's a different environment. You know, Brent talked today about how you got to, you know, every week's got to be the same, but it's not the same. When you walk into you know, when you wake up that morning, you know it's not the same. When you ride the bus to the state fair, you know it's not the same. When you go through the through the fairgrounds and, and uh, the opposing fans are rocking your bus and, and giving you the bird, you know it's not the same. And when you walk onto the grass of the Cotton Bowl, you know it's not the same. So it's a case of do you, this is a game that can, that can psychologically scar people. Now, not everybody, or maybe not even most people, but some people aren't ready for that. Do you want to do it now, or do you want to wait next week? So uh, that's a you know that's a juggling act Venables has to play. Um, in some ways, it's the same way at quarterback. Um, you know, it's pretty clear to me that the most talented quarterback behind um, behind uh, Dylan Gabriel is Nick Evers, but. You know, he's never played in a college game and uh, doesn't really know what it's all about. So doesn't seem like a really good time to debut him. And that goes for the, you know, that goes for the guys on defense. Because it's not like Texas is a bunch of stiffs playing wide out. I mean, they got Xavier Worthy and people like that running pass routes. And you know, he, he tore up the Sooners last year with one of the best one of the best days ever against OU by a wide receiver. So he's capable of doing it again. Yeah, he certainly is. And, and Justin, that sort of transitions into uh, what I was going to ask you about Texas, sort of looking at specifically the matchup there. When you look at the Longhorns offense, and obviously they've got a lot of talent, really talented players there. Who do you uh, see as most dangerous uh, to the Sooners among those uh, uh, skill position guys that they've got. Yeah, I mean, on offense, it's it's got to start with Bijan Robinson. I mean, this is a guy who's 
one of the best running backs in the country, for sure one of the best ones in the Big 12. Um, had a good performance against OU last season and, you know, has eight touchdowns this season, which I believe is the uh, – I want to say is the most among non-quarterbacks in the Big 12 this season. Um, so just a workhorse for them. You know, definitely somebody that OU's – I mean, Texas is going to try to lean on especially with OU struggles stopping the run against teams like TCU, Kansas State. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's got to start with Robinson. Just his physicality that he brings, it's going to be hard to bring him down, which OU has already shown struggles with tackling as of late, so that could be problematic. Um, I, I just think it starts with Bijan Robinson. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Only uh, three other players in uh, Division One football have more rushing touchdowns. Uh, than Robinson's eight this season. One of those is Adrian Martinez from Kansas State, who uh, uh, racked up most of those uh, of his nine against the Sooners uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jenny, when you look at the quarterback matchup here, and we've talked a lot about OU's uncertainty at that position, Texas has some uncertainty there with Hudson Card, who started the last couple games, Quinn Ewers, uh, has sort of been circling this game as his potential to return after getting injured against Alabama in that uh, 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 one-point loss by the Longhorns a few weeks ago. When, when you look at that quarterback, uh, the quarterback possibilities for Texas, are the Sooners, should the Sooners be hoping that Quinn Ewers comes back in there or that Hudson Card stays the starter? I mean, if you told me that Quinn Ewers is going to take the starting job and look like he did before he got hurt against Alabama, I'd probably go with Hudson Card. But I don't know if that – I mean, can you expect a guy to pick right back up after being sidelined with an injury? It was his non-throwing shoulder. So, you know, maybe maybe it's not – maybe the rust isn't there like you would think if it was, you know, an injury that he sustained to his throwing – apparatus I don't know his arm shoulder elbow whatever um but you know you just don't know what he's gonna look like if he can come back and look like he he did against the Crimson Tide that's a that's a pretty tough thing for anybody to handle we saw that Alabama was having trouble with it um but if there's rust then I would I would say you know I'll take my chances against Quinn Ewers because I think Hudson Card's playing really well right now for Texas you know they He's definitely not been the ballyhooed name that Quinn Ewers is, but he's he's looked pretty good for them here of late. He seems to have some mobility. He can run around a little bit. You know, that's, again, as we mentioned before, Oklahoma's had problems with, with all of that. So uh, I think that could be a big challenge. But uh, clearly, if Ewers is what he was against Alabama, you know, that's, that's one of the better – that's one of the better quarterbacks – you know, probably in college football, if you can, if you can sustain that for the entire season. Yeah. Ewers was certainly really good against Alabama Barry, but with uh, Hudson cards, mobility that Jenny touched on there, is it better for the Sooners regardless to uh, take their chances with Quinn Ewers uh, versus what Hudson cards skill set is and what he's shown over these last couple games? No, if I was OU, I'd rather play against Hudson Card for two reasons. Um, one is Hudson Card is more mobile, it appears. 
but it's not like he's Adrian Martinez or even Max Dugan, who is an excellent, has been for four years, an excellent runaround quarterback. And two, um, let's not overthink this. I mean, we saw Quinn Ewers. He stood in there against Alabama and really held up and played well when he was – and they sort of pieced it together with Card. One of these two quarterbacks is superior to the other one. So, um, especially if Gabriel's out, you don't want Ewers in there if you're the Sooners. and Try to keep the discrepancy at quarterback as small as possible. Yeah, it's hard to uh, hard to argue against you there, Barry. Uh, going, Justin, going back to you, when you look at uh, the guys who aren't hurt or uh, that, that we're not questioning over whether they can play or, or, or not, on the offensive side for OU, uh, who is the most important player uh, in this game uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think the guy that's got to get involved is is Marvin Mims. Um, you look at what he did last time that he faced OU. I think it was a it was a career high at the time in receiving yards for him. I believe it was what one hundred and thirty four. I think I might be a little bit off on that. Um, one hundred thirty six. Thirty six. There you go. But yeah, I mean, he was a driving force in that comeback. I mean, he really became the favorite in the passing game there. Two touchdowns. You know if. If he's able to get involved, that would be really big. Obviously, you would like for other wide receivers to get involved. That's kind of been a thing is, you know, which guys establish themselves as the number two option. But, you know, it it starts with Marvin Mims. He's the guy that's the most explosive, um, can break out for those those big plays. They can find him downfield. So uh, I definitely think that he's going to be the guy that, oh, he's going to have to get involved early. Jenny, would you say it's Mims or is it a guy like Eric Gray? Uh, with uh, you know what he's shown in both the running game and the receiving game, or even a guy like Braden Willis, who, w- with some questions over whether Davis Bevel can uh, you know uh, stretch the field with some of those passes, is a guy like uh, Braden Willis maybe even more important in a game like this than he otherwise would be. I mean, I think all those guys who are veterans, uh, you know, of this game and, and veterans overall, Marvin. Braden, uh, Eric Gray are all important, but I'll throw a wild card in here. With Wanya Morris probably not playing, we saw him in a sling last Saturday at TCU. I think a guy like Andrew Rame or, or some of those offensive linemen, those could be really important pieces to what we see on Saturday. I mean, they did, I thought they did a, a probably were the you know brightest spot in a pretty dark day for Oklahoma down there at, at Fort Worth you know, didn't average five yards a carry, which is kind of the gold standard for the run game. But, you know, they had a, an offense that for a good chunk of that game, TCU knew that they were going to run the run the ball because Davis Bevel was, you know, having such difficulties throwing the ball. So, you know, when they know that Oklahoma's going to run and then they're running without Eric Gray, you know, I thought that the offensive line did a fairly good job. Uh, but as was mentioned before, you know, they really had turned a seeming big corner after Wanya Morris was inserted in there. And now with him hurt, you know, that offensive line, if they can stand up against Texas's defensive front, which, you know, I think against Alabama, everybody sort of sat up and said, oh, my gosh, we're, this is the Texas defense of, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. They're coming after guys. They're looking physical. They're playing hard. 
you know, if they can do that against Oklahoma, it's going to be a hard day for the Sooners. And let's not kid ourselves here. After what Oklahoma did last week, there is zero doubt in my mind that Texas isn't sitting down there in Austin right now saying, we want to destroy these guys. We want to absolutely annihilate Oklahoma because they have that chance. If Oklahoma is going to play defensively like they did uh, at Fort Worth, if they're going to not get any, you know, much more out of their offense than they did at Fort Worth, Texas is going to go for the jugular and quick. So Oklahoma's got to do something offensively to try to mitigate, um, you know, some of what Texas is likely going to try to throw at them. And I think that offensive line is going to be pretty darn important on Saturday. Yeah, it will be. I, I think I throw Anton Harrison in with the, that group that you're talking about uh, at offensive line. You know, we'll see who has the the quarterback's blind side, whichever quarterback it is. Obviously, it's a little bit different if it's Dylan Gabriel being left-handed versus uh, those other guys. But uh, Barry, going to the other side of the ball, the defensive side, when you look at the guys that, again, aren't in question over whether or not they're going to play or, or weren't hurt uh, or out last week. Who do you circle as the guy that is the biggest key to uh, Sooner success on Saturday? Oh, if you're talking about guys who are capable, which there aren't many, I think you look at Jalen Redmond. He, can he become, can he be a consistent destructive force um, whether he's on the edge or inside, wherever it's at, you know, help stuff in the game, put a, put a good pass rush on whoever's quarterbacking. Um, you know, you can always say a linebacker, but the truth is they're not that capable. Um, you know, um, the Grimes and Downs, you know, we're still waiting to see something out of him these last two weeks. I think Jalen Redmond is probably the best defender on that, on that day. So it's sort of on his shoulders. I don't know. That's what they have. Is they don't have a ton of guys that are even capable of doing asking, much less actually do it. So it's it's a little bit of a beleaguered uh, situation. Um, oh, you might have to try to outscore Texas, and I don't I don't know that they can do it. it, it, it Justin, uh, f- for you. When you look at that, is, is it uh, Redmond? I, I think Barry's right about you know the capability of the rest of the defense based on what we've seen uh, so far. Obviously, there's been some flashes out of uh, those DBs, especially Billy Bowman, but haven't seen that consistently. The Sooners haven't had a takeaway in uh, the last two games. It's been a while. It's been since that uh, 2019 season, since they've gone more than uh, two games. Uh, without a takeaway heck I think that 2019 the end of 2019 might have been the the last time that they went two games but um, is is there another guy that stands out to you and how important is it for the Sooners to find some way to force a turnover uh, in in a cotton bowl on Saturday yeah I mean I, I think Barry hit the nail right on the head there if we're talking ideally I mean ideally you would love for the linebackers Justin Arrington, um, that would be the most ideal scenarios for them to come in and, and really have a strong performance just as a group or I need those guys individually. But if we're talking realistically, you know, I think the defensive line is the most capable group. You know, that's 
what entered the season as the strongest group on defense. So Jalen Redmond is a guy, Reggie Grimes as well, as Barry said. So those are definitely the ones that, you know, you're kind of looking at. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the takeaways, for sure, especially the offense has been struggling to come out hot to start games lately. The defense would for sure have to get some stops early on as well, kind of keep OU's offense in it as well, as long as they, you know, as long as it takes for them to warm up. So getting some takeaways would be big for them. But, yeah, I mean, they haven't had a whole lot of them so far this season. A few of them have kind of come towards the end of games um, where it's the game's no longer really in question. So definitely that's got to be a, a point of emphasis for them as well today, uh, this weekend. Yeah, I think they've got to find a way to manufacture those things. We've seen how big uh, turnovers uh, can be in any game, but especially in a game like uh, OU Texas. And certainly with the way the Sooners are playing right now, they're going to need to find a way to uh, uh, work through those things. Um, Jenny, I believe you're the the one of us that's not going to be at the game on Saturday. So I hate to ask this question, but uh, you've been to plenty of OU Texas games before. What are, what, what do you most look forward to about uh, OU Texas? that's different from any other game. You know, even when you go to OU Texas with some regularity, I still think it's always kind of a stark visual when you get there and you see that 50-yard line divide and it's solid crimson on one side and it's solid burnt orange on the other. I just think that's one of those things that you remember. I mean, you know it. You, I mean, it's it's going to happen every year. But yet still to see that is uh, it, it's always sort of a – a cool moment to see those stands fill in and look up at kickoff and have that clear dividing line. Um, and you know what? Uh, one thing that, you know, this, this, uh, this rivalry has become, it's also sort of become tradition over the last decade plus that no matter how these teams come into this game, they're going to give us a competitive and interesting game. It may not always be exactly well played. There may not be, you know, 100% high-level execution, but almost without fail, regardless of where the teams are when they come into this game, for the last you know decade and then some, there have been really great, interesting games in this series, You know, sort of the instant classic mold of things. Two years ago, it's the overtimes and the COVID year. Last year was the OU comeback, the walk-off touchdown. I mean, it's just a series that, you know, even if they're not in the running for a college football playoff spot or, you know, Big 12 title game or whatever the case may be, these two teams put on a show. So I'm going to miss I'm going to miss being in the stadium for what I know, you know, just based on history is going to be a heck of a show. And Barry, you will be there. You've been to plenty of these things before. This one's a little bit different. It's been a long time since. OU and Texas have both entered this game unranked, I think, 1998. The year before Bob Stoops' arrival uh, was the last time that that was the case. Uh, But you've been to, again, a ton of these. What about you? What are you most looking forward to about uh, just just the game and the atmosphere on Saturday? What I always look most forward to is seeing that I know some of whom I know I'm going to see and some I don't know that I'm going to see because I always see, you know, tons of people, my past friends or whoever out on, you know, out in the, out in the fair or even in 
stadium. And that's always a delight. Uh, see all people you hadn't seen in a long time. That's what I look most forward to. I look forward to crowds, but uh, pre-game of a mess, but post-game's all you know, the crowds have little bits. Uh, that's what I look forward to. And Jacko was exactly right. You know, this this game was sort of uh, not all that dramatic most years for a long time. But the last eight years, we've had great games. Um, just spectacular finishes. I mean, the last two years, think about it. The last two years, we had a, we've had a four-overtime game and then a comeback from 21 points down in which uh, the team that rallied won it with a walk-off touchdown at the buzzer. So, uh, virtual walk-off touchdown. I think one second was left when Kennedy Brooks scored. So, it's become high drama, fabulous uh, theatrics. Um, I assume that's going to end this year, but you never know. Yeah, I I don't know that I'd uh, make that assumption based on uh, the the history of this game, regardless of, how one team enters playing uh, well or one team enters playing poorly. It always seems like uh, this, this series produces some really good games, especially uh, in recent years. Justin, your, your perspective is a little bit different. You've been sort of on both sides of this thing. Uh, What about you? What are you most looking forward to uh, on Saturday? Yeah. Like you mentioned, I'm a San Antonio native, obviously went to UT family, all Texas fans. So for personal reasons, it's, it's always, it's nice to be able to go there and see a bunch of family members. Um, but just like you guys have been talking about, these games always find a way to be interesting. I mean, eight of the last nine games between OU and Texas have been one possession. So um, always just ends up being a good show. There's always some sort of storylines going into it and always some sort of curveball as well, where you didn't expect something to happen, but it does. So I'm sure it'll be, It'll find a way to be a competitive game. Um, definitely just looking forward to going out there. Yeah, and uh, for me, just looking I, – I always like the, the pregame atmosphere of things, walking around outside the fair, seeing the teams uh, drive up, the way that fans react. Barry uh, alluded to it, not always the, uh, the most civil uh, of times, but – Always interesting to see how the teams are, are received by fans from, from both sides. But uh, it should be a really fun one uh, on Saturday in Dallas. Guys, let's, uh, we'll start to wrap it up here with uh, some predictions. And, uh, Barry, I want to start off with you because you have a, a system of predicting this game every year that maybe gets tested a little bit uh, in this matchup given what we've seen. You know, how do you think this game plays out, and what's your uh, prediction? It's two different questions there, Bobby A. Bear. <laughs> I mean, I think Texas is going to kick the snot out of OU. <laughs> Sooners can't play defense, and now they don't have a quarterback. And you know, I don't, I don't, I'm hard pressed. I don't know if they played Texas El Paso right now if they could win. However. I always pick to win the OU Texas game, the winner of the OU Texas game from the previous October. I do that for very valid psychological reasons, which are, I think this is a real metal testing game. It's a no excuses game. Um, 
almost every game in college football every year is is on a home field. So there's intrinsic uh, advantage for one team over the other. If the uh, if the loser if the loser of a game is on the road, they can always say, you know what, we'd have won this at home. Fans, they can always they may not say it, but in, in they can feel, you know what? Uh, this sure helped us. I don't know how we'd have done on the road. There's none of that in this game. It's 50-50 down the middle. Um, it's halfway between the two universities. There's a no-excuses game, and I think winning this game fortifies the confidence level for that team the next season. Now, two things are at play here. One is this is not the OU team last year and going forward you're going to see a lot more roster turnover because of the transfer portal my system may go you know thrown again to Louisville Lake for all I know however um, I, I believe in principles and I believe in following my principles and my principles is to pick the uh, the, uh, the winner of the previous year so that's why I picked OU 28-27 uh, so, <laughs> so uh, I, you know, a couple of, here's the way I see it. A couple of blocked punts here, a couple of Bijan Robinson fumbles there, and maybe it's a ball game. Well, we'll see if the Sooners are able to, uh, make good on your prediction and, uh, get you a win in our, uh, pick standings, um, which, uh, you're doing pretty good on right now, Barry, at, uh, leading against the spread. But, uh, it, you know, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, Justin, what about you? What do you got uh, on Saturday uh, down in Dallas? Well, it's not a good look for me as a Texas alum saying this, but I, I do think Texas is going to win this game. Um, you know, I just – I trust in Hudson Card more than um, Davis Bevel, you know, if neither of the – the starter quarterbacks are able to play. I just think OU's defense is going to have a problem stopping Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, guys like that. Uh, just too many big play guys on Texas's offense, and you know, stopping these big plays has been a big problem for OU's defense, among other things. So, I, I would go with Texas. I'd probably say thirty-one to twenty um, would be my guess. So Justin not only has Texas winning, but has them covering. Jenny, uh, um, it, it sounds like you're uh, on a similar path there. Yeah, yeah. I picked, uh, even though I was touting the uh, classic close nature of, of this rivalry in recent years, I like Texas a whole lot more than I like Oklahoma right now. Um, you know, I would I would like to think that Oklahoma is going to get some things figured out, but um, Texas seems to have some things already figured out. So I've got them winning 31, 13. Um, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. Cause I would really like to see a close game. Um, I just don't, I think with all the, you know, injury questions, defense questions, which, you know, we were wondering if what we saw against K state was the exception or the rule and at T- against TCU, we saw the Sooners play even worse which is you know, as, as bad as they played, that was, to me, every bit as concerning that instead of improving after a, a, a week of you know, defensive disappointment, they went the other way. So I, uh, I'd like to think they'll get some things figured out, but I just don't know if they can do it in this environment against an opponent that 
I think is pretty good. And uh, so, yeah, I've got I've got Texas winning this one on Saturday. Yeah, I I do think OU does get some things figured out on the offensive side. I think they fig- Jeff Levy figures out a way for them to be effective, regardless of who the quarterback is. I think OU scores uh, more points than it did last week. Their offense looks more effective. Um, I I think Eric Gray is certainly poised for for a strong game uh, in this one, uh, especially given OU's quarterback situation. But I and I well. I, I think it's also going to be, wind up being a close game. I think it's going to be tight. We've seen that the last few years, even with uh, talent disparities on either side. But I, I just think that uh, Texas, uh, with uh, their two quarterbacks that they feel pretty good about uh, versus OU with um, the, the, their starting quarterback, their guy who has been the starting quarterback has struggled over the last couple games, Davis Bevel. Uh, did not look uh, particularly good uh, in his action on Saturday after Gabriel's injury. Uh, I just think the Longhorns are a little bit too much for the Sooners. I picked uh, Texas to win uh, 37 to 30, but we'll see what happens on Saturday uh, down in the Cotton Bowl. We're going to wrap up this edition of uh, Sooners Extra. Appreciate uh, y'all joining us and uh, look forward to being down in Dallas as always on Saturday for the Red River Showdown between the Sooners and Longhorns. Uh, Justin Berry and I, at least, will be here uh, once again on Spaces after the game to uh, talk about what went down in the Cotton Bowl and what it means for the Sooners moving forward. But uh, for now, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. Uh, We'll be back after the game and uh, at the same time uh, next Tuesday to uh, talk OU football. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.